Hello and welcome to another episode of the Laura Sanzo podcast with your host, Laura Sanzo. Everyone's perception of the world is different based on their model of the world, and her goal is to celebrate that by building the most inclusive self-development podcast. Laura and her guests share their stories and share invaluable strategies from the world of science, spirituality, business, health, personal relationships, and everything in between. We cover it all. Get inspired, learn to welcome adversity, understand the failures only feedback, and get ready to hear discussion on some of the most important issues facing us today. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Laura Sansa podcast. Today, we are looking at the world through the eyes of two incredible women, two friends, two colleagues and two advocates. So Samantha Mark. Hi, Samantha. Hi. Is a certified tarot advisor and intuitive reader incorporating numerology, astrology, human design, crystals, and law of attraction teachings into her readings. Samantha is also a diversity, quality, and inclusion advocate. Thank you for being here, Samantha. And at the end, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what you guys do separately and what you guys do together. And anything that, you know, is coming up in the sense of gifts that you may want to share, maybe a little meditation, maybe a little tarot pull, we'll do that at the end. Shemaine Denise is a spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, and soon-to-be certified moonology. You have to let us know a little bit more about what that is. Her mission is to empower and guide her clients through the roadblocks that prevent them from living in alignment and help them in their own unique gift, allowing their light to shine. We were just talking about light. So light is obviously... The theme of the day. So welcome so much for being here, ladies. I'm so excited for you both to be here. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so both Charmaine and Samantha are both advocates of the LGBTQ plus community. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. In addition to obviously what they do and there's gifts that they give as spiritual advisors and such. But that's where we are going to start. I invited both of them here. I was actually, I saw Samantha's coming out story on coming out day I didn't even realize there was a coming out day until I saw all these amazing videos show up on social media and I saw Samantha's and I was like you know what I would love to have a conversation with Samantha and then we invited Shermaine of course you know because I think we take it for granted I even said this to my family yesterday I had them over I'm like I really take for granted how life is easy for a straight white woman (laughs) and I'm not (laughs) saying this from a place of anything except for the fact that we just don't know what others face in their day-to-day things that we take for granted. So I really, my intention of this episode is to really to allow people to look at the world through the eyes of both of you, incredible women, and just give us a little peek into what that story unfold, how that story unfolded you. And of course, like anything, our hope is to always, even if just one person hears this and it gives them the courage to be who they are, and to start living their truth, whatever that means for them, even if it's not necessarily having to do anything with their sexuality, but in any respect, then I think we've done our job here today, ladies. What do you think? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matthew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you. I'm just going to go through a little bit in terms of what you said of your coming out story and then allow you the space to expand on that. And then, Charmaine, chime in, obviously, of course, what was similar about yours, what may have been a little bit different. So... And, you know, incredible, again, like just listening to this for, as somebody who has never experienced this, it's quite amazing. So Samantha, you constantly assess safety to a high degree. So I want to actually throw that out to the both of you. You mean in terms of obviously violence, right? 
So is that something, is that what you meant? I don't want to miss it. I mean, yes, but I feel like that's only one layer of it. I think it's just safety, even in a safe physical environment, it's safety between each individual person. So even if you have five people in front of you, you're assessing your safety with every single person individually in the context of where you are, in the context of the conversation. And it's just an ongoing thing almost in every aspect of the word safety. So you feel that you always have to be like hyper-focused in terms of what you're saying? In a way, yes, because I feel like at the foundation of that is just this inherent fear that you might get rejected by certain people or maybe you lose that relationship. There's a 50% chance they may not, you know, agree with my lifestyle. So yeah, in a way, it is kind of a hyper-focus. Shemaine, do you feel the same? You're nodding, so... Yeah, one 100%. Yeah. So not only just that physical safety, but, you know, am I safe, you know, mentally, emotionally, just whatever I share with you, is it, is it going to be protected? Am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be, you know, allowed to show up as my full self here in this space with people? Mm. So there's always that kind of conscious awareness of wherever I am, what whatever I'm getting myself into. It's like, okay, let me see what I how I can fully be here in this space with other folks. Would you guys say you have almost like a mental checklist that you go through before you start to be a little bit more vulnerable with people or maybe open up? Oh, absolutely. And I feel like my story is a little bit different in the way that I identified as a straight cis woman for like the first 20 years of my life. I was in my longest relationship was 10 years with a cis male And so I kind of know (laughs) very well the lives between both. And so it's interesting experiencing both ends of it. But sorry, when I said that, I forgot your initial question. (laughs) No, I was actually, that was going to be the next point anyway. So you straight identified. So I'm assuming that means that you identified yourself as somebody that was straight for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Shemaine, is that something that was part of your journey as well? Yeah, I didn't come out until my early 20s as well. And I think it's just easy because the default has been like heterosexuality, right? So for me growing up, it wasn't really like an option to be something different, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't, for a long time, I kind of just hid behind this like mask of the assumption that I'm straight. And then so Sam, when did you, and then we'll ask Shereen the same question. If you're feeling called to share, of course, was there a moment that you were like, no, it's time to unmask? And I love that. That was actually a word that was in my head before Shemaine even said it, because there's like the autism community talks about masking, right, their disabilities and such. And I think we all mask, even though we may not really use that terminology. So was there a, a moment? Can you guys remember an actual moment where you're like literally maybe not, you know, taking off the mask, but you're like, no, you know what? I feel like there were multiple moments in different ways. So I guess it's a good time to also distinguish between identities in that some people know their whole lives from a very young age that they, you know, maybe identify as lesbian or maybe they identified as transgender. And so they kind of just lived that life under a different guise. But for myself specifically, I identified as uh, a straight cis female for those 20 years. 
And then I came to a few years when I first met people in the LGBT community was in college. And that's when I started to kind of explore a little bit more because I always felt different. And you don't know um, what you don't know until you compare it with other people's experiences. So yeah, like I went through a phase where I identified as bisexual for maybe two or three years. But when I say that, I always like to give a little note, like bisexuality is not like a gateway to becoming a lesbian or becoming gay. I identified as that and that was my identity and it just shifted over time. And now I consider myself pansexual where I'm open to almost anyone. I mean, I have my own personal standards of who I like and don't like, but in general, it doesn't matter how someone identifies or how they present themselves. I'm open to that. So your question is a little bit, there's a lot of points. Where there's I a lot of layers. <laughs> I, I feel like Call to Give Shit's Creek a little shout out yeah. here. Yes, it's one of my favorite shows, but I think they really allow that term pansexual to be a little bit more mainstream. So we'll just right. give a little credit to some amazing Canadian actors. <laughs> but I did have that like light bulb moment. And I remember it very specifically where I just had this knowing, very strong knowing that I was not meant to be with a straight cis male in my lifetime. Like it was like literally that chapter in my life ended. I got this nudge of knowing. And then I was like, this is my path. The LGBT community is my path. And I so I did have that. Shermaine, would you say that that was somewhere similar? So there's some parallels there with Sam's story, but for me, I would say I always knew that I was identified as a lesbian, probably from as early as age seven, but I grew up in a very kind of Christian household, so kind of being raised in, I mean, we weren't ultra religious, but just being surrounded by Christian teachings and Christian dogma, it was it was very hard, so I kind of hid behind that for such a, such a long time to where a lot of my upbringing and adolescence was just kind of tumultuous on the inside because I was kind of battling these emotions that I kind of inherently knew were not wrong, but I was being taught that it was wrong. So I was kind of like fighting myself for a lot of my adolescence and early years. And I think that's part of the reason why I waited so long till I came out. But the funny thing is, is like God universe source is funny to me because even though I knew I had this kind of inner knowing that this is who I am, this is the path that I'm meant to really walk in this lifetime, the universe kind of orchestrated itself like around me. Like I ended up going to school in San Francisco, not really knowing like that was like the queer Mecca. (laughs) You know, I was kind of naive in that and like still didn't really know. And like, I always had a natural curiosity to kind of hang out with like eccentric people. So that kind of helped me as far as having very open-ended conversations, kind of assessing, assessing that safety mm. risk of like, how can I really be in this space with you? Like, can I share like these deep, dark secrets that I have? Like, I've been walking this path on my own, but I met some wonderful, wonderful people in college, two women in particular that really helped me in my own coming out journey, people that I call my sisters now. And it wasn't necessarily like one moment. It was like a collection mm. of things across like my early years that helped me to just own who I am. And the final culmination of that was I attended a leadership retreat, actually. College. It was my senior year in college. And it was a leadership retreat. 
and we were doing this exercise where we were all in a circle and the moderator was saying various statements and if it applied to you, stepped in the circle. And so they talk about culture identity and race and different beliefs. And when it came to identifying as LGBT, like literally I felt something push me and I just like jumped in the circle. Wow. I was like, oh my God. I was like, what did I just do? And I just remember kind of having an initial freak out, like, okay, now, like, everyone sees me, everyone knows, but like, it wasn't a thing held, just not only just energetically, spiritually, like, I was held in a space of like, you are loved, we see you, and it's going to be okay. And so I left that leadership retreat, like feeling fully empowered. And I remember I called my mother. And I was like, hey, mom, <laughs> I have something to tell you. It's <laughs> amazing. Like, oh, my God, what? Like, yeah. And similar to Sam in the story, at first I came out as bisexual because I kind of didn't just try to figure it all out, you know. And I'm like, I think this is it. I'm not quite sure. And it wasn't until a couple of years later as I was, like, really trying to like, find my way in, in life that um, I identified as lesbian. So and similar to Sam, you know. Bisexuality is a very valid uh, sexual identity, and it's not a gateway to anything. But yeah, that was kind of my journey, and it's been it's been an interesting um, revelation. <laughs> it, it, it sounds so. it, but I, I, so many amazing moments. It sounds as well. I, do you guys? So anybody that's going to listen to this, and they maybe at that point in their journey where they know they just haven't maybe told their family. And I know Samantha had made a mention how more professionally has been, not maybe more professionally, but has been as more personal with people, even professionally in terms of, you know, not being comfortable and sharing um, that. So we'll talk about that. But for the person that's going to listen to this, that they know they just haven't maybe told their workplace or told their family or started to identify themselves as anything other than straight, what would be a piece of advice for them? Is there anything intuitively that you're being called to to share with them? So one, there's no rule book. There's no guidebook. You don't have to come out before you are ready to come out. That's the first thing I want to say. And I fully recognize, you know, <laughs> even in the 21st century, even in 2022, I know. it is scary. It can be dangerous for people to come out. And at the end of the day, if you feel safe enough, if you feel, if you have those support systems, if you are feeling called to come out and live your truth, by all means, but also recognize that it is not a requirement and that you can fully live your whole self and have your safety intact. And I think that is safety is important and also just honoring that within yourself and uh, however you, however it is in your own environment. So, um, absolutely, a hundred percent. If I were to add to that, it would really be seeking out community. And that doesn't even have to be real life people that you can talk to. But that is where representation in media, for example, is really important. That's where I mean, even now, YouTube has so many resources, Instagram has so many people you can reach out to. And they put themselves out there, like even Charmaine and I, for example, right, if you found us on our social medias and reached out, we would be more than happy to talk about whatever it is you're going through with you. But 
I think community is a lot easier to find than it used to be. Back then, it really was like TV shows and you were like grabbing for any kind of content (laughs) to help make sense of your life. But I feel like in the LGBT community, chosen family is a really uh, common thing talked about where, you know, blood is blood, but the people you surround yourself with, they're going to be your support system. If anything does go south when you're coming out in different situations, different friend groups, friends could potentially leave your life or they could be very supportive. Same with family, same with the professional workplace. And so having that core group or, you know, just Try reaching out to people who have already put themselves out there as a resource. There's plenty of websites too that you can go to. I know Trevor Project is one of the most uh, well-known probably. There's a lot of resources out there for support. So I feel like it's really, yes, assessing your safety, assessing the resources and the support around you, and then just coming out to yourself first and then in your own time externally, however that feels right for you. And we'll we'll get some of the links that you have all suggested and make sure that they're in the show notes so people have access to both here in Canada and the U.S. So is there ever a time, and we're going to talk to Charmaine's point in the sense of how this has really shaped your spirituality, but you're both in the spiritual world, you're both intuitives. So do you think that's helped you in the sense, and Charmaine, I want you to expand on this as well in terms of what you meant in terms of how this experience has really shaped your spirituality. But a question to just play off that is, Do you find that that has helped you be more intuitive in the sense of like, you know what, I just, I don't feel safe or I'm not feeling called to share my sexuality with this person or in this situation? Do you think that that has really allowed you to feel more safe in terms of being able to just feel different energy and be like, oh, I don't know if they're ready for this yet type of thing? Yeah, for me, for sure. Like I had mentioned earlier, I was raised in a Christian home, so I had kind of a foundation there in terms of God, and it gave me a framework for kind of establishing my own morality, my own moral compass, which I am very, very grateful for. I not, I don't identify myself as very religious now, but growing up, that helped shape me. And one of the things that I kind of learned early on was being able to pick up on people's energies, even mm-hmm. when I was younger and not really understanding, like, what the hell is going on? Like, I I was always kind of very sensitive and didn't really quite understand what any of it was. Or I always just kind of felt overwhelmed by everything around me. And I didn't really know how to regulate that. So one of the things that I kind of grasped to was like prayer and meditation very early on. I didn't really develop more of a spiritual practice until I was a bit older and kind of like lived a bit of life and needed a little bit more <laughs> grounding and structure for myself. But in my own private way, I had this really deep connection to God, to connection to the universe and connection to source, because that's where I drew a lot of my strength around dealing with things that were being taught around me and how just essentially how I just didn't agree with a lot of things that was being shared to me and just like knowing like, well, that doesn't quite feel right. And just knowing like, it doesn't feel right in my bones, but I'm hearing what you're saying, but you're not really walking your talk here. And so I always kind of pushed back and asked a lot of questions and, you know, kind of got the finger waved at me. (laughs) And so, but it just helped me kind of delve deeper into my own connection with, with God and, with source and 
whatever you want to call it. So I'll direct the same question to Sam because you you now are in the in the spiritual realm and niche as well, and the, you're a sermon leader in this incredible niche that we all share. Do you think that your journey has brought you there? Do you think that was a byproduct of it at all? I feel like it was actually me coming into spirituality that really helped me validate my whole experience before that. I never quite understood why I always felt like the odd one. (laughs) I'm also Aquarius sun. Me too. Aries moon. (laughs) So I mean, it's just part of life, right? (laughs) And I didn't realize that all of these like outlandish, futuristic, innovative ideas were just like other people in my circle, other people in my family that I would tell these outlandish ideas to. They just would not be able to understand them because I feel like It was just so out there, (laughs) but that really made me feel a little bit isolated. That made me feel alone, but I'm assuming this could be because of my Aries that I still stood very strong (laughs) in who I was and the direction, taking more of like leadership roles. But yeah, the spirituality helped me put words to those experiences. And so it then helped me on that side of things. And also moving forward, it helped me better identify and become aware of who was around me, what my environments look like. And when I changed certain Mm -hmm. things, how my life then changed afterwards. So coming into that conversation about like our authenticity and being who we really are, spirituality helped me come into who I am. And I'm still on that journey, but I don't think I would have been able to process a lot of those experiences without it. Tarot was really helpful for me. I would even just listen to them on YouTube, like the readings on YouTube, and they were so validating for me. And it was the first time that I really didn't feel so alone. And then I just started attracting people who were similar to me or had similar values and beliefs. And then, you know, I feel so much more fulfilled now and I have a greater sense of purpose. And so they definitely go hand in hand now. But hence, yeah. hence how we are all here together. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just, we had talked about, about professional aspect of your lives. I just want to go there because I think that's important. I just, I just feel that there's probably a lot of people that may be open to who they are with their friends and their family and maybe not so professionally. So how did that unfold for you guys? Because I know, Sam, you said that it was uncomfortable because your ex-partner was closeted. So you had concealed mm-hmm. your identity um, to a lot of your professional networks. So mm-hmm. what did that look like for the both of you, Sam, if you want to start? It was very uncomfortable, <laughs> to say the I would least. imagine. Very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> and that was a four-year relationship. And so I had... I basically came out to my family or at least my closer family, close friends, and even a few close colleagues, but it was very select um, within the workplace. But other than that, it was almost like I got shoved back in because going back to that conversation of safety, I did not want to unintentionally out her to her family, um, to anyone who could potentially be eyes that then relay it to the family because she was living in the same household. And so a lot of that safety came up, but it was also in protection of someone else. But because of that, 
when we're, (laughs) we were talking about safety earlier. This is where all the emotional part comes in, the emotional mental part, because there's another layer where you're now trying to remember who knows what, (laughs) and like, it just is a mess. And so you don't always realize it until you're like in the thick of it or you come out of it, how much weight that is to carry, how much that it's just in the background every single moment of your life. And yeah, it's just very heavy. It's heavy. And I'm the type of person who really highly values authenticity and integrity. And I couldn't do that for me. So I felt very, I just felt like I was having to lie to a lot of people. And it felt like if somebody just assumed I had a boyfriend, I had to just kind of go along with it. And so then when I was out of that relationship and able to be myself, there's still a lot of people I have not had the conversation with because it's hard to just be like, hey, guess what? (laughs) Like I was, you know, know with with them that whole time. I just went along with it, like surprise. (laughs) So (laughs) a lot of how I've actually notified my networks for lack of a better way to say it is just being more out and open about it on my social media on my Facebook in my endeavors and all of that and just not being afraid to be myself now and they can just like quietly leave if they want to but we don't have to have that face-to-face interaction about it and that's only I think a projection of their own selves right if they choose Mm -hmm. to leave and that's just right their shortcomings and what they still need to work on within themselves. Shermaine, professionally? Yeah. Well, I was really thinking back on this because I worked in healthcare for many, 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 many years. And so I kind of kept my professional life and personal life very separate. And so not a lot of people were like asking me about like my personal life. And it could have just been maybe I was a little bit too standoffish. Honestly, I don't know. But it never really kind of came up. Eventually, when it did, it had to do with patient care and just like really advocating for like whether they were LGBT patients or just, yeah, anything as far as like uh, gender affirming care. It really kind of came up in terms of patient care and really making sure that we are just showing up for our patients wholeheartedly, you know, and not letting our own internal biases or whatever the case may be show up in how we uh, provide services to them. And so, I don't know, it kind of just gradually came out, um, just me kind of talking about my own, you know, personal life and like going to queer shows or just anything like that. So it kind of slowly trickled out, but it wasn't it wasn't kind of a big deal for me, I should say. And I think that's just me building trust over time with the folks and my colleagues that I, I had around me. And so to where I felt safe enough that I know I was kind of held with the same respect and regard as I was before, before I came out to them. So it was kind of a gradual process. <laughs> what I wanted to do was just to go through a couple of things that I'm feeling called to talk about, just in the sense of like, just getting maybe some experience that you may have with it, maybe just in the sense of what you feel could be done in this area. Because I had said to both, um, excuse me, Sam and Shermaine prior to us recording that, I was shocked about how much work we still need to do in terms of equality here in North America. So I could just imagine the rest of the world, but we'll just speak to North America. You know, to Shermaine's point, it being 2022, it's quite concerning. 
So we'll just start with the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And, you know, when that initially happened this year, a lot of the dialogue turned to what is that going to mean for the LGBTQ community? Is there anything personally that you guys are feeling called to share in the sense of not even about specifically what that meant for women's rights, per se, and abortion, but just in terms of, you know, that dialogue about what that could mean for the LGBTQ rights in the future? I think for myself, it is more of an an allyship standpoint, because at least where I am now, I don't see myself as ever getting pregnant personally. I, if I ever choose to have a child, I know that I would want to adopt. And so for me, it really has been about allyship and informed voting and trying to encourage people to vote and get some of these people in office that will help for our human rights overall. So, I mean, I just, I definitely see all of these things as very interconnected, but a much larger issue. And Mm. so I'm, I think it's also just the way that I see things is very like macro perspective. And so for me, it's kind of like the gears turn as far as like, how could something like this happen? It's not going to be the only one. Like there's going to be a lot more that happens of this and we don't want to give it too much momentum. What can be done just in getting the right people in office, people who will fight for our rights and things of that nature. And Charmaine? I 100% agree. Yeah, just community and allyship and just understanding what we can do individually and collectively within our own communities and making sure that we continue to speak out and continue to demonstrate and all the things because, you know, we can't be complacent. You know, complacency is what got us here. And just understanding that there are more things that unite us than separate us and understanding that this isn't just a women's issue. It's not just an American it's not issue. Just a singular, and yeah, yeah, it's just not a singular issue. It's it's so much larger than that. And for all of us to continue continue to come together and continue to put continue to put in the work and to build those connections to make sure that our rights are protected. All the things, all the things Sam said. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I love that. And thank you so thank you so much for that, lady. So you had mentioned the Trevor Project. I think it was Sam that mentioned the Trevor pa- Project. So this the next couple of stats are from the Trevor Project. So they estimate that more than 1.8 million LGBTQ plus youth ages 13 to 24 seriously consider suicide each year in the U.S. And listen to this, that and at least one attempt suicide every 45 seconds. So just what's coming intuitively again, you know, what more can be done to to change this, whether it's I know Sam has talked about just being able to see themselves, you know, on TV and representation across the board and such like what are other things that we can do as a society to really allow them the space to know that that you know isn't what they need to be able to be themselves essentially the first thing that's coming up is that stat is really devastating one because so I'm just like I'm feeling it really deep in my heart and someone who has struggled with their own mental health and has had suicide ideation in the past and has struggled with that. I think it is so important to find support, find support. I know for me, that was a big thing and reaching out for help when I did need it. And I think for all of us as individuals is making sure that we are these safe spaces for people and making that very clear and doing our best 
to actually embody the values that we individually have, whatever those values be. For me, it is love and freedom and making sure that I walk and embody that with every interaction that I have with people. Because at the end of the day, we do not know what people are carrying. And I think it's important to open up dialogue, inviting as it can be. So people have a place to go to, to land, to know that you're a personal resource. That's one piece. (laughs) Sam? I feel I have a lot of opinions um, around this topic, but I feel like some of the most actionable that I could think of is I was able to take a QPR training, which is on gatekeeping Mm -hmm. for suicide prevention, even just learning about minor tweaks that we can make in our language, not using committed suicide as if it was some kind of crime that was committed and saying and being more open about using what actually happened, like died by suicide. And even though this was not related to the community, I do have a family member and I know a handful unfortunately of people who have died by suicide so this has affected me in a way that's not necessarily related to the community but I think getting training learning how to have the conversations and one of the most important things I think I've learned over the last couple years is really meeting people where they're at Um, I'm a naturally optimistic person and so I've had opportunities to reflect on how I might have reacted or, you know, handled myself in a conversation. And it's not about trying to lift someone's spirit. It's about really just affirming where they're at, trying to be that person that they feel heard by. And like Charmaine said, that's how you can create that safe space, not trying to change them, not trying to fix them, allowing them to be heard. And when it comes to the LGBT community, and especially with our youth, I have a lot of opinions on media. I feel like I love the representation and they should absolutely continue to con- like represent these stories. However, I feel like the types of stories that they continue to put out there are still in one lane. There's an entire rainbow of different like experiences and we consistently just see gay or lesbian we're getting out of it where the lesbian content is not just you know dramatic like horrible endings (laughs) yeah we're getting out of that but when it comes to the trans community for example it's still primarily trans women or trans feminine representation we don't get to see a lot of trans masculine or trans men in the media and a lot of the representation we see everybody is already fully transitioned so Mm. we're not even getting the stories of what the journey looks like or those who don't want to go through a full hormone uh, replacement or any of the types of surgeries and that it's just as valid of an experience so I feel like that is a part of it our youth feel like I have to do this in order to be Mm. this like I have to do this and I feel like that's part of the problem is we just need more diverse voices that are sharing the stories so that more people are represented, not just tiny fragments of the communities. I love that. I was actually gonna, I was gonna actually bring that up later. We had um at our TIFF uh, movie movie festival, the Toronto International Film Festival is what I'm trying to say. In September, they premiered Bros. I don't know if you if you've seen it. I've seen it. So, but I thought you know, obviously. I saw it with straight eyes, so I can interpret it the same way somebody from the community would. I thought it it was funny, and I thought, you know, it was a representation that I'm sure a lot of people would be able to identify with. But I thought it was super powerful that, you know, 
they were um, releasing and openly casted as well. I think the entire cast was from the community as well. So I thought that was a little step forward. <laughs> About 40% of homeless youth in America identifies LGBTQ and have ended up on the streets because they're rejected by their family members. So I think it was Sam that said, you know, and this is for anybody really, that blood doesn't make you family, right? So is there anything that's coming up in terms of speaking to that? I think we've talked a lot about community and the importance of community and having resources that probably attain to this as well. I feel like for myself, again, I see these as huge issues that heavily impact our communities, maybe a higher percentage, but these are overall issues just in general for everyone, homelessness, not having enough, inflation. But yes, when it comes to the LGBT community, a lot of times, yes, being rejected by family is a huge factor in that, not just means. And I have seen more organizations pop up who support LGBT youth or just homelessness for youth. I know they have certain programs now where they'll provide them housing for a certain amount of time, but then also help them with job skills. That's more of like the practical side. But again, I cannot stress enough kind of trying to seek out community because I know there are so many people who want to help and give back. And having that network, I guarantee there are people out there who would be willing to offer resources and even a home for youth who are at risk. But it really, unfortunately, it also does kind of take either allyship by certain teachers or people in the adults in the network of the youth, as well as if they can find community through like social media and things like that to try to find support. It's out there, but it does take a little bit of effort to get it. Yeah. One thing that like just came to mind was this recognizing our own humanity in each other. And yes. homelessness is a major issue. And it does disproportionately affect our LGBT youth quite exorbitantly. But it's one of those things where, where is the humaneness in all of this? Where do we connect with that? How is it that we hear these numbers, we hear these statistics, and, you know, we're just like, oh, well, we kind of just kind of shrug it off. But it's like, I know that there's a lot, a lot of programs that are available. And I know specifically in Portland, we have a high, high, high number of houseless folks out here. And there are quite a number of resources. And I know that they are overburdened at this point. Mm-hmm. And I just think that even us as individuals, like we all can do more in our own kind of our own individual actions and just recognizing our own humanity in each other. So, so much. (laughs) And I love that point that you both make because we, I think as human beings, regardless, you know, of anything, we really underestimate how much light we bring and how much power we have in ourselves, regardless of what we do and, you know, what our status quo is and such. And in terms of just changing people's lives day to day simply by just asking people how they're feeling or you know asking people how we can be of assistance to them or whatever that looks like so I love that you both made those both those points just one more point I want to talk about because this was pretty astonishing to me and I know you guys have midterms coming up so this is probably a good time to talk about voting again I'm not sure we'll get this episode out before that comes around but unequal health care in 37 states insurance companies can discriminate based on sexual and gender identity and i thought that was super disturbing again we are in 2022 so to read that just doesn't feel right <laughs> um is there anything that i know charmaine you come from healthcare, so i'm sure you are personally affected by that 
just in terms of being in that industry? Yeah. So that's quite astonishing. Um, (laughs) And I know I can only speak for Portland. I live in Portland, Oregon. And one of the programs that they have up here is called the Gender Pathways Clinic. So it's reaffirming healthcare for folks that are either looking to transition or thinking about transitioning or uh, just having culturally competent medical providers yeah. <laughs> that are familiar with specific issues related to the LGBTQ plus community. And again, going in and having access to this care and having qualified staff that understand, you know, issues pertaining to me as a lesbian woman and not having this really awkward interaction of for instance, are you sexually active? And then like, yeah, yes. And it's like, okay, you know, well, are you pregnant? I'm a lesbian, you know, and having this really awkward mm-hmm. interaction, but just having really informed medical staff and affirming care, not only as just like a woman, but as a lesbian, you know, so yeah. I, I guess the short answer to that is vote and be knowledgeable. I'm, I'm not American, I'm kidding. And but same true for us, you know, in the sense of being knowledgeable about who you're voting and see off, what their beliefs are, what their policies are and such. Sam, do, is there anything that you want to? Yeah, uh, I think it's also one of those things where I know Charmaine and I generally live in more progressive areas. And so this isn't something that's as close to home for us personally, because I know we're in states that are generally more open. And just because one clinic might not be welcoming, you're probably able to find another one that is. So one of the ways that I've been trying to do my part to make a difference, aside from encouraging voting and informed voting, is with organizations who are fighting for these rights and for changing what's in our laws and all of that. And so I think that's also how I've stayed informed more on how people are being affected at large, especially in those states where they're really trying to just strip you of your rights if you're not, you know, straight and cis. And just in case, because I know I do, I've used this a few times, yeah, but I haven't exactly clarified um, cis versus trans. <laughs> so cis would be, I was born assigned as a female oh. and I identify as a female. And if you are assigned a male at birth and you identify as a male, that's cis. Okay. So, so when you say, gendered. okay, so but when you say straight. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Okay. (laughs) I've been working on changing my language there too. It's a conscious change that I've made, not saying straight because the to differentiate between LGBT community and not because trans people can be straight and you can be a trans male and be in relationships with cis females or trans females. So you can, you can be straight and still be in the LGBT community. So I've been changing my language to cis het, which is cis heterosexual. I was just testing you, see if you knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I know I didn't clarify that earlier. And I'm like, oh, I'm using that a lot, but a lot of people might not know what that is. (laughs) It's okay. But but this is all part of educating ourselves. So then, you know, when we meet somebody that is in that period of their lives, you'd be like, oh, I listened to Laura's podcast. I know what that means. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, in short, I've just stayed up to date more with what's going on in the state tour that are not as open and progressive through organizations and following and supporting organizations and things of that nature. Perfect. So what I wanted to do now, you know, as we're getting close to an end, such an amazing conversation, by the way, guys, I ladies, such an important conversation, I think, that needs to be had. And I I know will inspire a lot of people and the people that are not being called to it. Well, that's fine too, as well. I just wanted Sam and Charmaine both separately. And then I know you guys have an incredible program together. So if you just want to just talk a little bit more about what you do more specifically, incredible modalities, and then what you do together and how, of course, people can reach you. I always ask at the end of each episode where people can reach you, of course, we'll put you in the show notes, but even intuitively, if there's anything that you're being called to share that maybe, you know, we didn't talk about that you want to talk about, I'll give you the floor to you both now. So I am a certified tarot advisor. My main focus is on transformation and healing. I've just found that that's one area of tarot that I see as a very useful tool for helping people like uncover their subconscious. And especially because I identify in the LGBT community, I love also saying that I'm an inclusive reader. So I try not to gender anything when I'm doing my readings. And I'll tend to clarify, you know, oh, this says a queen, but you don't have to be (laughs) feminine (laughs) or a woman (laughs) and things like that. And so that is really important to me to provide inclusive readings and to ask people their pronouns if they choose to share them um, when I'm doing the readings. But yeah, I feel like I've just kind of found this, like you said, a little niche. My my gifts, I want to be able to share them in a way that helps promote healing and helps get people to where they want to be and feel validated and confirmed in whatever, you know, inner knowledge they already have. They just sometimes need somebody to just confirm it for them. And I feel like I've been able to do that for a lot of people. But yeah, so I don't know how much else I can say about it. But that is primarily who I love working with is just those who really want to get to the next level, but they feel something is kind of blocking them. So Shereen, do you want to share what you do? And then maybe you guys could just chime in together and share more about what you do together. So I am a certified spiritual life coach. And I'm also a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher. So for me, I offer one to one coaching, I have a couple different packages available on my website, I have a four week like Kickstarter coaching package for those that like, aren't sure about coaching, but maybe want to get their feet wet. And I love that. like, I'm not quite sure. So I have like a little four week there. And then I have a 12 week program to dive a bit deeper into your own blocks and wanting to explore your own spirituality, your own gifts. That's one that I have there. I have uh, meditation. I hope to be starting up my weekly meditation groups again, probably towards December, probably definitely at the beginning of next year. And Sam and I have our uh, tarot coaching package together. Yes. Where Yes. So <laughs> it's a beautiful fusion of Sam who reads her tarot and then me for coaching. One of the things that we, well, I'll speak for me, that we were really excited about. I also, I follow like different tarot readers online. And one of the things that I always felt like, oh man, you know, I'm getting this wonderful reading, but how do I fully like bring into focus, like some of the advice or some of the things that I'm called to work on. And that's where the coaching part of our program comes into play, where you get that accountability, that guide that to kind of walk with you to bring forth all of those beautiful juicy nuggets that come through in the tarot reading. So 
And we kind of just realized that because Tara helps dig into that subconscious, a lot of times a traditional intake form, you're kind of relying on the client to come up with the answers before you start to tell you what they want to work on. But tarot kind of helps them uncover what, you know, they deep down want to work on. And so we kind of just found that this relationship works really well when combined with each other to enhance both sides of it. You get your tarot reading to help you dig deeper and then you get that accountability and if you are into coaching itself you then get that extra added help from the tarot so we really put a lot of intention in how we designed it and we put a lot of thought into that and we've had some great feedback from those who have gone through our program and they've seen the shifts happen and so um, we're just really excited to kind of offer this little partnership to the world (laughs) i love it it is it's brilliant and i i could attest just you know, as a Reiki practitioner, who's also a coach, I feel like I'm coaching like 90% of the of the actual session, because, you know, excuse me, I always tell my clients, the real work starts after you leave the bed, not you know what I mean. So I'm sure it's the same (laughs) way when you're doing a reading, right? So it's just like, and then handing them to do the rest of the portion of the work, which are made. So it's it's brilliant. I love it. I'll start with Sam. Is there anything intuitively that you're being called to share? And then when you're you could just share also where people could find you? Yeah, I feel a lot of what I'm doing is on my website. I have my diversity, equity, inclusion portion of it. I have my tarot and the tarot coaching, also voter education stuff going on. All of that's going to be on my website. As far as what I feel called to share is just allyship, allyship for humans, allyship for community, and not just giving yourself an ally sticker just because, you know, you don't hate other people that doesn't necessarily qualify you as an ally ally really does take action behind it just as what you're doing laura here is allowing us to share our stories that is allyship so um the more we can implement more of that in our lives and learn from others i feel like we'll all be doing our part to create a better world i love that so everyone could be an an ally oh anybody (laughs) a little ally badge today (laughs) (laughs) i love that i love that so yeah my website as well so um if you are interested in uh, learning more about what i do or wanting to just schedule a complimentary discovery call uh, you can do that on my website hermanedenise.com i'm also on social media so you can connect with me mostly on uh instagram so that's a beautiful little nugget i am almost certified to be a moonologer with yeah um, what exactly is that <laughs> is it like yeah, so cycles I'm going to assume. Yeah, it's following the lunar cycle. So really using the lunar cycle and the moon's energy to help in your own manifestation and your own growth. So using that 28-day cycle in your own personal life, goals, manifestation work, anything like that. So very excited to start offering that that as well as the coaching. So yeah. (laughs) Is there any truly you're being called to share before we come to an end? I know we've covered a lot. We did. No, just keep showing up. Keep showing up. Like we are all here walking this planet in this particular timeline. We are all called to be here and to just understand that we all have our own unique light, our own unique gifts. So just continue to walk in that and pairing that with action and allyship, right? Allyship. That's the word um, of the day. Yes. Light and allyship. Yes. And just yeah, continue, continue to do the best that you can. Thank you so much, ladies. This is such an incredible <laughs> conversation. And 
we appreciate your light so much. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Laura. <laughs> Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed that episode of the Laura Sanso podcast. Thank you to our guests. To stay connected to host Laura Sanso, follow her at I am Laura Sanso or at the Laura Sanso podcast on Instagram. To learn more about Laura, go to www.laurasanso.com.